Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. And let us all say, Amen. I want to talk about a couple of things that seem to be almost opposites of each other, and, and they can be described in some phrases. The first phrase is, not enough. Can you say that with me? Not enough. Maybe you have been uh, with, with a child, and you're pouring something for them into a glass, or giving them a snack or something, and they look at how much you give, and they say, it's not enough, more, more. They want more. And not enough is, is a way of saying that there must be more. And sometimes when we hear this, that it's not enough, or what we've done is not enough, or what we've provided is not enough, or what we see or understand is not enough, it can put us a little bit on edge. It can make us defensive. It can cause us to think that uh, something's wrong. And so maybe when you even hear this phrase, not enough, it stirs up something like that. And then there's this other phrase, and it's this, small things. Say that with me, small things. And that's about the importance of small things and small steps. These can be very, very important. I, I remember once uh, when I had a good, relatively good regimen of working out with a Russian trainer who, who was uh, quite the guy. But I was trying to impress him at a certain point, which is, if you think about it, pretty ridiculous. But I was trying to impress him by my aspirations. And I said something like this to him. I said, Sergey, you know what I want to do? I want to, I want to work out two times a week every week and do cardio three times every week. And I thought he would say, good for you. And he looked at me and he said, David, doing cardio even once would be good. And I hung my head down. It's like I didn't impress him by saying I wanted to do it three times because he knew I wasn't doing it at all. <laughs> and there are times when we make a boast of what we're going to do, and it's unimpressive to the ones around us. But there is something else that I wanna speak about today, about small things, and that is small things can be important. It's actually very important to be able to take small steps. The people who try to set unachievably large goals often achieve nothing because the goal is so big. They impress themselves by making a statement, I'm gonna do this or I wanna do that, but it's too big. And the people who, who make small goals step by step one after another, and they take the step and then they continue it, these are the ones who often accomplish a lot. And so there's an importance in small things. Now you can see there's some tension 
On one side, not enough. And on the other side, way over here, way over here, small things are important. Small steps are important. And there's a tension between those, and I want to show you in the scriptures how that tension is expressed in a constructive way that can be useful to you and to me so that we can live our lives with the benefit of both. And with that in mind, I, I want you to think about a little recipe I'm going to tell you. It's, it's just a two-part recipe. It's how Hashem accomplishes revival and renewal. And the first ingredient is not enough, and the second ingredient is small beginnings. And so you take one part not enough, one part small beginnings, you work with them, and this can produce revival. It can produce renewal. It can refresh us. And it's what the prophet Isaiah speaks about at the beginning of chapter 49. 49 is, is part of our Haftorah reading today, but this is before the Haftorah reading, but in the same chapter if you go to Isaiah 49, verse 6, and I have the habit, some of you know this, I like to see who has their Bible with them. Who has a Bible? Not who owns a Bible, who has one with them. Good. I do. I've got my uh, Stephen Jobs uh, Bible. No, it's uh, my iPhone Bible. I've got a lot of different Bibles on here, but Isaiah 49, verse, verse 6. The Lord has said, it's not enough. The Lord has said, it's not enough. So let's us say that together. It's not enough. But what's not enough? Look at it. It's not enough that you're merely my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the offspring of Israel. I want to stop there and explore that. It's not enough. Sometimes when people hear a correction like this, it's not enough. They misunderstand it. And they think it's just an expression of disapproval or discouragement or whatever. And so they, they miss the point. Not enough means something. Here's what it does not mean. It does not mean that what the Lord says is not enough is unimportant. He's saying that's only one part of what's important. Another way of saying it is this. There's more I have in mind in addition to. Do you get that? In addition to the restoration of the Jewish people, the raising up of the tribes of Jacob and the restoration of the offspring of Israel. That's important, but it's not the only thing. Can you hear that? If you're taking notes, it's important that you capture this idea because many times in the past, people have misunderstood this statement and it has caused their, or it's worked with other errors in theology and misunderstanding so that people come to the wrong conclusion. Here's the wrong conclusion. It would be to think that the Lord is saying it's unimportant to restore the offspring of Israel. It doesn't matter to God if you 
raise up the tribes of Jacob, the tribes of Israel. If, if you're thinking that's what it says, you've come to a wrong conclusion. That's not what it says. The prophet here is saying it's not enough to only do that. It's still important. It would be like saying this. It's not enough to love your wife. You should also love your children. Does that make sense? So is it important to love your wife? <laughs> I'm glad a few of you agree. Think about it. It is important. Is it important to love your children? Yes, so it's not an either or, correct? It's a both and statement. And that's what's happening in the Lord's proclamation here, it's not enough that you are merely or only my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the offspring of Israel. I will also make you a light to the goyim, to the nations, to the other people groups, so that my salvation can spread to the ends of the earth. Let's Make sure we get that. If, if you're getting the essence of what this is saying, wave at me. If you don't have a clue, just shrug your shoulders. Like, Rabbi, try again. I still don't get it. I want this to be really clear. It's not enough. So what that means is the first part is important, and the second part is also important. It's not enough to only be focused, to only care about the restoration of the Jewish people, it's also important, it's also important to be a light to the nations. Also important. Also. God intends to restore the children of Israel, but he does not intend to stop there. He will also revive the nations of the world. Now, there's some, there's some theology and eschatology that, that has things sort of all mixed up and says, God is no longer interested in the restoration of the Jewish people. He's only interested in the nations of the world. As if the one nation God is not concerned about is the Jewish people. All other nations have his interest. That's wrong. There are some people who think that God will only be interested in the Jewish people again at the end of history. But that's not true. God is declaring to us so many different ways and so many times through so many different voices in the scripture that the revival of the Jewish people and the revival of the nations are connected together. They are connected. And so when we give ourselves to the revival of the Jewish people and serving the restoration of the Jewish people before God through Messiah, we are also preparing ourselves and making ourselves useful to God for the revival of other nations and other ethnicities. God will revive the nations of the world. And in verse 6, the prophetic word in Isaiah helps us see there's a connection between Jewish revival and the revival of the world. 
So all of us who are interested in and concerned for and dedicated to the revival of the Jewish people and are stirred and called to be part of that spiritual revival are being told that's good, but it's not enough. Don't stop there. The same people are called to be part of the spiritual revival of other ethnic groups and nationalities. That's our calling. So we could say it this way. If you've got a calling to be a Messianic Jew or a member of a Messianic congregation, you've got a call for the restoration of the Jewish people and the restoration of other ethnic groups. And so our Messianic synagogue is, and here I'm gonna give you a $25 word, an adumbration, $49 word, okay, <laughs> close enough. I was close. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> adumbration is, is a great word. It means an advance indication. It's an advance indication of what God wants to do on behalf of the Jewish people in the whole world. So a messianic synagogue in our congregation is, is meant to be an advance indication to others. We have Jewish families here. We have Jewish families here that on both sides are Jewish. We have Jewish families here that are Jewish on one side, one family, one spouse, adult, and on the other side, uh, not Jewish. And that, in a single family, is like a combination of what Isaiah is talking about. You see, when, when, when Jews marry non-Jews, some parts of the Jewish world think the Jewish person is lost to the Jewish world. But the prophetic scriptures tell us it could be that the nations are being added into Israel. How so? If faithfulness is at work, if faith in Yeshua, and if clear identity is at work, so that the Jewishness is preserved and the ethnicity of the others is added in. It doesn't have to be hidden. Ruth was forever called the Moabitess. But she chose to be counted among the children of Israel and to make her future with the children of Israel. And God used her, did he not? to bring forth the line of Messiah. This week's Haftorah from Isaiah has a prophetic word that is meant to encourage Jewish people who can't see how this broken world could possibly be healed and how their own families could possibly be restored. And God makes clear that he has plans and he has means and he will take initiative to bring his prophetic purposes into reality. He will accomplish some things. And then he speaks to us about one of the ways he'll do it. He'll use Gentiles to revive Jewish people. Now just saying that in certain parts of the Jewish world would be controversial. It doesn't fit in. In, in fact, some people would think it's uh, offensive and even heretical 
to say something like this. And some others might say, well, yeah, you believe that because you're a Messianic Jew and you read the New Testament. But how many of you know that Isaiah is not in the New Testament? He's a Jewish prophet in the Jewish scriptures. And he says some things that are a little bit controversial because they don't fit into all modern Jewish understanding. Isaiah 49, verses 22 and 23, which is part of our Haftorah. And so it's actually being read in synagogues all over the world today, this week. I'll read to you in English. Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, answers. I am beckoning to the goyim. I'm turning to the nations, and I'm raising my banner for the peoples, and they will bring your sons in their arms. And they will carry your daughters on their shoulders, and kings will be your foster fathers, and their princesses or queens will be wet nurses or nursing mothers for you. That's what it says. God will use Goyim, Gentiles, to bring back the children of Israel to the God of Israel and to the people of Israel. He will do it. He will use Goyim in this way. He will do it. It's important to understand God has a plan. Now here's the plan. He's gonna use Jews and Gentiles for mutually beneficial purposes in order to accomplish his greater purposes for humanity. So whether you were born a Jew or whether you were born into some other ethnic group, God can use you and wants to use you for the good of all humanity. And it requires only two kinds of people, Jews, and Gentiles, that's it. Now sometimes people don't understand these two simple words, Jew and Gentile. Some people don't like the word Gentile. I get it, I love Gentiles, but the word to me is a good word, but the first time I was speaking at a conference in what is now the former Soviet Union, it was in uh, Moscow, in Russia, and I was speaking about the revival of the Jewish people. It was, it was to believers. But I was talking about how God works to revive Jewish people and I said, I asked a question to a group of several hundred, how many of you were led to the Lord by a Jewish person? And out of this group of several hundred, a few were led to Messiah by other Jewish people, which, is understandable, especially at that point in time. It was uh, just after the opening of, of Russia and the fall of the Iron Curtain and so forth. But then I asked the next question, which is, so then how many of you were led to the Lord by a Gentile? And 
four or five people raised their hand. And I was confused because there were hundreds of people there and I thought they were all believers. And, and there were like five who had come to the Lord because a Jewish person had led them and maybe five who had come to the Lord because a Gentile had led them. And so I said, I don't understand. How many of you know the Lord? And all the hands went up. It's like, okay. So then I said, let me ask it again. How many of you came to the Lord through a Gentile? And again, five hands went up. And then someone called out in English to me and they said, your interpreter put it this way in Russian. How many of you came to the Lord through a pagan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, that's not what I said. And it turned out that in Russian, the, the understanding and the meaning of the word Gentile was pagan. But that's not what it is in Hebrew. In, in Hebrew, it just means ethnic group or people group or other nationality. That's all it means. There's no paganism to it. But it was understood that way. And, and to this day, there are some people in the believing world who think that when we say Gentile, that's what we mean, pagan. That's not what we mean. And that's not what the Hebrew or the Greek in the Bible conveys. The Greek uses a different word, obviously not goy or goyim, because that's Hebrew, but ethne, ethnos, the, the words from which are derived ethnicity, ethnic group, ethnic, which simply means nationality. It speaks of culture and background and language and all sorts of things, but it's neutral theologically. So when I say there are two kinds of people that God wants to work through, Jews and Gentiles, I'm not saying Jews and pagans. I'm saying, let's use other words, Jewish people, those born into Jewish families, and those who are born into other families that have different ethnic backgrounds. How about that? Is that good? Good. So he wants to use both. And the scriptures speak of a kind of mutual dependence where we all need each other. Jews need Gentiles. Now, I am Jewish. I'm Jewish on the right side and the left side, the top and the bottom, the middle, the front, the back, you, however you look at it. We need Gentiles. Gentiles need Jews. This is the reality. This is what Isaiah 49, 6 is talking about. It's not enough to say Jewish people are the only people who are important. If you say that, then you'll, you'll unintentionally perhaps be pushing people to think everyone needs to become a Jew. How do you do that? That's not what the scripture is saying. Jews and other ethnic groups, we need each other. We need each other. Now, how many of you know that ethnic groups like to fight each other? It's not just Jews that like to argue, you know, two Jews, three opinions. 
I'm not sure I can tell this story right, but there's a joke um, from Ireland where, you know, there's been a lot of religious combat over the years. And so a Messianic Jew who doesn't understand much of anything is in Ireland and says to some people at a bar, what's it going to take for you guys to have peace with each other? And one of the Irish guys who's had a few, a few Guinness says, well, it'll probably take a Jew coming to us and telling us we should believe in Jesus. And so the Messianic Jew says, oh my gosh. Well, if I tell you I am a Jew and I believe in Yeshua, Jesus, will you be at peace with each other? People in the bar, they all start talking. It's like, wow, wow, in front of our very eyes. Oh yeah, but there's a question. What kind of Messianic Jew are you? Are you Catholic or Protestant? (laughs) The nations of the world are in conflict. The people groups of the world are in conflict. And when we recognize that and that yet In Messiah, we can learn to overcome our conflicts and value each other. Then we can make headway in the prophetic purpose that God is speaking of here. In a messianic congregation such as our own, where you have Jews and Gentiles, and you have Jews and Gentiles in one family and even in one person who has a mother who's Jewish and a father who's not or a father who's Jewish and a mother who's not. In one person, in one family, in, in one congregation, we have this prophetic reality and we have to all learn how do, you, how do you value that? You value it by rooting it in the will of God. This is not a mistake, it's not an accident, it's not uh, unintentional. It is one of the things that God says he's going to do. He's gonna turn to the nations. And many Jewish people will come to the Lord because someone from another ethnicity, even their own spouse, leads them back to the God of Israel. It is a challenge. It's a big challenge. And when it's not understood, or when Jewishness is considered unimportant, or even worse, when Jewishness is considered a liability, then it leads to all sorts of error. Gross, conceptual error. When when the Gentile bishops of Christianity started dominating early Messianic Jewish believers. Those bishops considered Jewishness to be against faith in Messiah and they they created laws among their own communities and doctrines about that. Now we may say, yeah, that was wrong, but think of the error 
that has dominated so much theology and practice over the centuries and how much harm it has done over these centuries to the Jewish people, but also to the nations that God wanted to revive. It's harmed us all. And yet God is still committed to the idea of Jews and Gentiles being mutual blessings and mutual servants. And that's what we're gonna hold on to here in this congregation. We're gonna hold on to it. We are not gonna shirk it. We're not gonna go for something easier. We are going to do what we can. Now, with that in mind, I wanna go to the next part of this message which really wraps us up. It's, It's the idea that God will do things little by little with small beginnings and that there'll be times like we're in right now where we have to start again, we have to refresh ourselves again, we have to renew our vision, we have to find our way and go forward. Deuteronomy 7 verse 22 tells us a little bit about it. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. Say that with me, little by little. You'll not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. The context is Israel's gonna go into the promised land. And that promised land is occupied by nations that have done so much evil that God considers them to have forfeited their right to a future. Terrible situation. But God is also saying, it's going to happen little by little. You're going to go into this new situation. You've been in in transit 40 years in the wilderness, now you're gonna cross over to the promised land. New situation, new conditions. Don't think it's gonna be easy, it's going to be challenging. And and the Lord's saying, I'm not gonna just drive all of the adversity out at once. Because if I did that, the Lord says in this case, wild animals would come in. There There would be un recognize an unanticipated opposition and problems. You think it would fix things, but it won't. There'd be even worse problems. And so the Lord says, I'm gonna do it little by little. Have you ever prayed for something and in your heart of hearts, what you wanted is everything now? I I know I'm not the only one who has prayed that way. And with sincerity, you search the scriptures and you find how God wants to make breakthroughs and so you pray about breakthroughs, the suddenly scriptures and the right now scriptures. How many of you can find those pretty easy? Yeah, yeah. But here's a scripture that's not like that. This is a scripture that says ma'at, ma'at, little by little. And for everyone who likes prosperity now, doctrines, uh, this is offensive. This needs to be like blacked out from the scriptures because it's not prosperity now, it's little by little, step by step. This idea of little by little is central to Yeshua's teachings about life. I'll quote him twice, Luke 16, 10. Yeshua said, whoever can be trusted with very little, say that with me, very little, can also be trusted with much. If you can't handle a little, you can't handle much. 
He goes on to say, those who can be trusted with what belongs to another can then be trusted with their own. They can be stewards faithfully of what is given to them. So faithful with a little and faithful with another's, not your own. If you're not faithful with a little or you're not faithful with what belongs to another, you don't get more. That's what the Lord says. Then Matthew 25, 23, Yeshua says, you've been faithful with a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. So you got faithful with a little, faithful with a few, faithful with what belongs to another. These things are important to the Lord. I'm quoting Yeshua here. So if you've got your Bibles open, you know that's who I'm quoting. I'm not giving you my opinion or my read on this. I'm trying to tell you what he told us because his word is eternal life. His word is true. He is the authority on this subject. Do you agree? You know, I do like some of the black and Hispanic churches that verbalize more in response. It helps sometimes. Yes, amen. Thank you, yes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. All right, we're doing better, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I just have to encourage myself, but if you help me, it's, it's all right. I try to encourage myself through the scriptures, not through other things. Circumstances are not always encouraging. Have you found that out? And sometimes when they are encouraging, they're followed by changes of circumstances that are not encouraging. But the word of God is settled forever. And our God is an awesome God. And he reigns in heaven above and on the earth below. And the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, speaks truth. He's not a man that he would lie. You can depend on him. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to encourage myself. It's working, it's working. I'm encouraged, I'm gonna leave here. I don't know how you're gonna leave. I'm gonna leave more encouraged and I think some of you will leave more encouraged. Some of you will have just had a nap, I don't know. You should go see the taxi driver or drive with the teenager. Yeshua says, how you handle a little is really, 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 really important. The prophet Zechariah says much the same thing. I want you to see the continuity of this message. Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. In some translations, it puts it this way. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise small things. There's a warning, don't despise the day of small things, don't despise the day of small beginnings because the important things of God often happen ma'at, ma'at, little by little, don't despise that. And when it's time to to renew yourself and refresh yourself. Don't despise the small things that are necessary. And don't fall prey to pride and arrogance and self-importance. 
That's the word from Deuteronomy 9. Don't think in your heart, after the Lord your God has cast those other nations out before you, don't think in your heart, you know, think in your heart, you know what that means? Don't carry this internally. You may not communicate it with words to other people, but you may have the attitude, you may have the emotion or the perspective, don't have that, even if it's hidden. Here's what not to have. Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. No, don't think that. I had a friend, Peter Monticelli, great artist friend in uh, Rochester, New York, nice, wonderful Italian guy. And when there was a mistake like that, he would hold his hands up together like this and form with his fingers a W. And that meant wrong. Wrong, it's not because of your righteousness, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations. Verse five, it's not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in, but because of the wickedness of the nations, and because, it goes on, that the Lord would fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not because you're so good, it's because he's so good. It's not because you're so good, it's because he's acting with justice against the evil of the world. It's not because you're so good, it's because he keeps his promises to the faithful ones of the past. Therefore, verse six, understand the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, because you're stiff-necked. Now, some Gentiles read that and say, yeah, those Jewish people are so stiff-necked. We're not the only ones who are stiff-necked. We're just particularly good at it. But we're not the only ones. Reminds me of what someone once said, the Jews may have invented guilt, but the Catholics have perfected it. It's not because we're good. It's because he's good. Remember that. It's not that we're worthless, it's that he's worthy. It's not because we deserve it, because if we got what we deserved, you know what we would get. But rather, it's because he's faithful, and he's true, and he's good, and he's showing us mercy. That's what we're saying. And that's why, right now I wanna close with a, with a traditional Hebrew prayer that may be unfamiliar to you, but I'm using it over and over again so that it will become familiar. But just repeat after me the good words in Hebrew and the good words in English. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Hatov Vahametiv. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, the good one, and the doer of good. Hallelujah, yes? Hallelujah. Lord, you are good. Can you say that with me? Lord, you are good, and you are the doer of good. You are good from the inside out. It's your nature that is who you are and what you are and you're the doer of good. And we bless you and we honor you, we serve you,
You are good, O oh Lord. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, which has been shown to us through Messiah Yeshua, who gave up his life that we could receive far more than we deserve, much better than we deserve, forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Amen. That's our word today. Let's be strong, let's keep it. Let's stand up and if, if it's your protocol that you can stand with people, you can gather together. If you need to keep distance, then respect that for each other. And for those of you who are with us on live stream, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream, if this ministry is a blessing to you, if our podcast, Messianic Jewish Teachings, is a blessing to you, if our sanctuary service or any of our ministries are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All of the information is found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. So let's close with Aaron's blessing, and I'm standing with Aaron, my favorite cantor. My only cantor. My only <laughs> I know some other cantors, too. Yeah. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.